follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. All right, glad to hear it. We want to say thank you for everybody out there who's joined us for this episode. We are going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the very beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code four corners podcast. That is the number four capital C in corners, capital P in podcast, no spaces, save 10% off your order. They've got some new shirts out right now that I'm liking the looks of probably going to be ordering one real soon. And our next shout out means we go over to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Orlando Cologne actually flourished Chad when he was mm-hmm. released from the WWE. Became Madness. a world champion <laughs> in his home state of Puerto Rico. I'm calling it a state. It's not technically a state, but I think it's a territory. It's a territory, yes. But he's well, he's a Orlando Cologne is a proud American citizen, and he, in my opinion, is a world champion. Even though I don't know how many of those, uh, I don't know how many shows have been running since the pandemic. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll start uh, building it up again. You know, yeah. I haven't looked at I haven't looked at what they're doing since the pandemic. I don't think they've been running a lot of shows, but um, no. now that now that you know more and more people are getting vaccinated, uh, shows are opening up. So hopefully that. It feels like around change. January, everyone started really running a regular schedule again. Or at least trying to, or at least like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So you know, I don't. I don't know if you'd thing. want to. Sorry to cut you off, Chad. I don't know if you'd yeah. want to, but like they could probably run. They could, in theory, they could maybe try to run some shows in Florida. Because mm. Florida's open, there might be enough like uh, Puerto Rican. What, what's the word? Diaspora, or something where it's like. Mm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you could brand. <laughs> you could brand yeah. with um. With MLW, too. That would be awesome. I would love that. So we have one other shout-out here at the beginning. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, Four Corners Podcast. Make sure you, when you say Four Corners, it's a number four, and there's no space between the number and the word corners, and you should be able to find us. You'll see our logo. Brad, what do we have on there? Um, right now, we're kind of recycling content from the show. You can you can actually get this show on there in its entirety and I've been handpicking some old like reviews we did and putting them on there as shorter like bits um, on a weekly basis. And so usually Tuesday you'll get a review. Thursday you'll get like the standard episode. We're going to do more with the channel down the road, but we just have to get through. I just have to get through some uh, changes, namely moving 
before we can do that. So yeah. um, if you do go over there, though, please hit subscribe. It really helps us out. Yeah, the um, the thing about the YouTube algorithm is that it thrives off of activity. So if you comment, if you subscribe, if you press like, all of those things drive more engagement. And so that's why everybody asks you to do that. And they say things like, make sure you hammer that, that thumbs up button and smash that subscribe button for more content. It's just like, if you do that, then it gets more eyes on it. So if you'd be so kind, that would be nice of you to do. Um, but Matt had us a segue. We are going to be talking us tonight a little bit of uh, maybe not current events, but very recent events. I believe the curse struck us again, didn't it, guys? Was it Wednesday or was it Thursday? I think it was actually Thursday. but It was Thursday. Yeah. But, um, you know, we record a show, show comes out, and then something big happens right after. So it was... One year to the day after what some people on what Matthew of Botchamania referred to as the great bloodletting, um, there were a bunch more releases from WWE. You know what's and, sad though is they could still legitimately release like another forty to sixty people and you wouldn't even notice because they just have them like stuffed away in cabinets and stuff. You know, it's funny because there are they released by my count one, two, three, four, ten people. Uh, some of them uh, a surprise. Some of them not a surprise. Some of them released... were like overdue by five years, if you ask me. <laughs> but they released ten people, and I have heard conflicting statements on people who were complaining about their booking getting released or people getting released for financial reasons which is just the biggest load of crap I've ever heard, given that WWE just had its two most profitable years ever. I, is that really something that they're that they're saying? That's something I've seen floated around. That's and actually so stupid that it probably is true. It, it, it might be the <laughs> excuse that some of them were given. They literally have like a billion dollar deal just with Peacock, and that's yeah. for like, what, four or five years? Yeah, let's say four. So that's like 250 million. It's like you're not paying all the people that you released. I have like a list here. You're not paying them near that. No, no. I'd be and shocked if if all. No, of them I think I think people like do two, need to realize two. though that is bad reasoning. But even a company making as much money as WWE does <laughs> need to cull their I agree. their workforce because where a lot of companies get into trouble years down the down the road. And this is actually what Telltale Games ran into is bloating your staff and then when your revenue goes down, you don't have a good way of of um control like getting it back under control because you bloated your workforce too much. And by the time you figure out your workforce is part of the problem, you're probably already out of business because you flushed all that money down the toilet. So um it's not a good reason, but WWE, like, you should not be surprised that they do layoffs and let people go because you do have to, even when you're making a lot of money, you have to still, like, you know, go through and make sure you have the proper staff and everything because, you know, you're not going to make money forever. There's going to be bad times even when you're making money hand over fist. So good companies do plan for that. 
I don't argue that point, but for God's sakes, let's not be, let's not act like people are stupid and say, oh, we're doing this for financial reasons. It's like, okay, you're doing it because for some of these, some of these people you just don't want to keep around or some of them you're like, we have no idea what to do with them. Just, I even think it'd be fair to say then, like, look, we've got like 200 people on staff. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, just go away. Well, it's we'll get into some of these particular people in a minute, because for some of them, it's like mm, I, I think that they were kind of set up to fail. But I they understand. Got so, I think on, this... let me let me finish this real quick, Brad, and then I'll I'm sorry. Um I think they got blistered so badly in terms of the creative has nothing for you line that now they won't even if that's the case they won't um they won't admit to it. There, so go ahead, I'm sorry. There is only there is only one person on this list that I find to be completely unjustified in letting go and that they did not properly give a chance to. All of the others, I think I think at the end of the day, there there's a couple on here that that really hurt, but I I do I could see their reasoning for letting some of them go, and I'll get into it. So there's only one. There's only one I'm gonna really say they they missed the boat on. Like some of the other ones, like I think have varying factors to why it makes sense. Okay, so which one were you were you thinking of, Brad? The one that I think is unforgivable. Yeah, Callisto. Callisto. Why do you think Callisto was the unforgivable? I because, forgot. I forgot him. Because, okay, there's, for one, like they did the U.S. title run. Like he seemed like he was fairly popularish, but um, guys like him don't grow on trees. He was still fairly youngish. Um, mm-hmm. You you had a lot you could do with him. Like that, even if he was only a mid carter, like that staple mid carter that can do some cool stuff is always a needed thing. And I think honestly, because he could benefit another promotion greatly, like if used properly. That one, I think it would not surprise me if Vince sat down, looked at a list of people, looked at his roster, and was like, "Oh, you don't have anything for, for Callisto. Let's do, you know, we can we can get rid of Callisto." And it's like, uh, okay. You're the boss, even if this is a mistake. But and I think he had. A, I think out of all of these, he had the most upside left in him. Okay. Because we'll get in. We'll get. We'll do Joe next, so I can. I can compare and contra- contrast why I think Callista is <laughs> less forgivable than Joe. But. Um. I don't know. What do you guys think of the Callisto? release he um he doesn't really do anything for me he's actually one of those people that i forget is on the roster uh i guess i could i can see where you're coming from i i do think he was like a missed opportunity like they when they signed him i initially thought that they were going to try and push him as like essentially like you're a younger newer version of ray mysterio yeah. Uh, not trying to say he's as good as Ray, but uh, it doesn't necessarily matter. You just need to have like that that kind of non- younger lucha type star. Um, and then they did nothing with him, like nothing. I know they they've had lucha house party like as kind of a thing, but I mean that's not. They're completely forgettable. It's 
Uh, I'm I'm gonna agree that like Callisto fell out of the back of my head in terms of who was on the roster because they just kept not doing anything with him. You know, I, I if I was watching and I heard the music and here comes Callisto, but oh cool, here comes Callisto, and you know he's gonna do some cool stuff and like that's my my wife's favorite thing to watch is is guys doing athletic kind of acrobatic stuff like that's that's right her wheelhouse i i feel uh, like he sadly got, they they really typecast guys in masks if they're not big like i feel I mean, like yeah i feel like callisto gets typecast as like a luchador but like when you really dig into his body work yeah he high flies really well but he can kind of do a bit of everything well he um you're right that the the typecasting happened. Hell, the typecasting happened to Ultimo Dragon of all people. Well, you know they, what happened with Ultimo Dragon is they they thought he was going to be super flashy like Rey Mysterio, and he's not. And then they were mad because had, you know yeah. you could have just watched tape of him. And the funny part is they owned the footage of like most of his United yeah. States work. <laughs> they did. How hard is it to go dig up some Ultimo matches against people like Eddie or Ray or, you know, take your pick? And and Ultimo's like, Ultimo's that kind of worker. I, you might know, you might have a better idea of this concept, Shad, since you worked and might, there might be a word for it. But like, but like Ultimo is really not like flashy. He's like the, he's kind of that like foundation guy that like you build a match around, but it's like, He's there to make the other guys shine and make it all cool, but he doesn't necessarily do anything. He doesn't nece- he's not necessarily going to do anything that blows you away. He's just going to make the other guy look good, bump for him, like foil his offense well and otherwise like counteract him in an effective manner, but like he's not going to be flashy about it. Well, I I'm going to I'm going to argue the not flashy part. His entire offense was not flashy. But he had some very cool things. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not like doing the, the turnbuckle headstand was not easy to do. He did turnbuckle headstand and then kind of the inverted drop kick off of it. His, you know, he had some really good kick combinations that ended up with some air. The Asai moonsault. Um, no, but I mean, if, you, if you're expecting Rey Mysterio, he's... No, 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 no. Yeah. He's a different kind of flashy. Everything yeah. he does is not is not flashy fly. He's not in the vein of like Ray or Hoovy. No. And he doesn't, he's, he doesn't he is have a um, ground guy that does, he, he's a ground guy that does some visually impressive stuff. And he doesn't have, um, I think his problem too in WWE is he just didn't have WWE charisma. Like he's charismatic and like his work gets him over, but like, um, he's not, he just doesn't have that. Like, you know, he's not going to do promos and stuff. He's not the kind of guy that does a big move, stops, poses, and turns to the hard cam for a second. Yeah, he's just he not does... a good fit for what they want is all. Right. He he, mm-hmm. he would do a big move. The best answer I can have is that Ultimo was just a real solid hand. Um, and it's, you know, you put him out there and he's, he's probably going to have a pretty good match with about anybody. Now – the thing that makes Ultimo so different is, you know, his his moveset was very unique to him. Um, but Callisto would do a lot of 
really cool looking stuff. Like one of the things that I sticks out from two Callisto spots that stick out for me that were really cool to watch. One was his Salida del Sol, which was oddly almost the same finish that Ultimo Dragon used for his like two WWE matches. But his variation on doing a Huracurana, where it wasn't a full leg scissors takeover. He'd jump up, he'd go to do a Rana, and then instead of you cutting a front bump on it, you sell it like a DDT. That's brilliant. That looks cool. You can do it to anybody. And young Mark, me, would watch some Lucha matches and be like, everything that they're doing... Yeah, it looks good, and it's going to a pin, but it it doesn't feel like there's impact to it. There's not anything that's like jars you and stops you for a second. Callisto had that, and also and uh, to cl- fast. I think I think to show where they almost had something with Callisto is that match on pay per view where he lost the U.S. title to Rusev. Okay, like he was pretty over in that match. He was a great underdog. And they oh, really yeah. did a good job where, like, Rusev really had to, like, struggle to beat him, and then they just did nothing with him. Yeah. That was the weirdest U.S. title run ever, actually. <laughs> I completely – I didn't even realize he had, he had the U.S. title. That's how, like, forgettable it was. I think me. he beat um, Del Rio. Hmm. Well, actually, I don't know if he actually beat him or otherwise he might have just offered him some cocaine in exchange for the <laughs> But yeah, that I'll agree. That's that's a surprising release because it it seemed like that was a guy they were they were building on. I mean, they kept taking their foot off the gas, but he was such a good underdog. Oh, I hated Lucha House Party. Well, yeah, it's just I hate concepts where like the whole idea of like you're supposed to cheer them, but they're cheating like <clears throat> completely. That only worked if you were Eddie. And Eddie didn't just, like, rampantly cheat. Eddie was subverting a lot of well-known tropes in doing it. Yeah. He was taking a lot of expected spots and then twisting it. So, okay, yeah, Eddie cheated there. But on the other hand, Eddie had so much charisma and Eddie was so likable in doing those things that you couldn't help but love him for it. So, it, <sighs> The the Lucha House Party rules thing never really was established, was it? No, because it just they just did stuff and you're supposed to cheer them. <laughs> now another the one the the one that shocked me on the release at least it was a guy I've been a mark for for twenty years was Samoa Joe. Um, See now this one this one I feel is slightly more justified from their perspective than Callisto because he's injury prone. Um, he is getting up there in years, and I think you could justify to yourself, look, you know, the guy's just, I mean, I don't think washed up's the right word, but just saying, yeah, this guy's body is giving up on him and we can't get anything out of him. So, like, I love Joe, but I could see their, I can see their line of reasoning as to why he would be the one to release. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion he might have just asked, have asked to be released. Uh... I I can since you lay it out that way I can see it too. Um, at the same time, I fully believe that he was misused in the WWE, and I'm talking like his entire time. There. Oh, totally. I mean, he <laughs> I think he won the NXT title like maybe twice. Twice. Um, okay, He's the and, only guy to defeat 
uh, the Demon King gimmick on Balor. So he was. I thought it was great in NXT, and they brought him up, and you thought like, oh, it's gonna be like they're gonna do big things with him, and no, like they didn't. And I actually was having this conversation with someone last week uh, after the release. Um, they had him have that one pay per view match with Brock Lesnar. And it was awesome, and the build up to that was awesome, and the reason, and he got like massively over with that because, and again, I don't know how they, this it's a much bigger problem that we could talk about, but they they just do not know how to fucking get a guy's over, and then they'll do something like that Joe, uh, Lesnar program, and Joe gets over, and they seem like unable to replicate it when it's like, how did you get him over? Oh. You just had him go out there and be like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of you. I'm, I'm going to kick your ass. They yeah. had him show like fire. They had him like not back down from the heel. And Lesnar was pe- Lesnar mm-hmm. like Lesnar did a lot of really subtle like body language stuff in that feud to make him like like Lesnar wasn't afraid of him, but there was like a certain <clears throat> hesitancy from Lesnar. Yes, yes, yeah. He, you could see he wasn't like I'm going to blow this guy off. He he. he True to his character, he's like, oh, no, I, I can take this guy. But there was that hesitancy where it's like, okay, I acknowledge this guy is a threat. I can take him unless maybe I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly so. And he got massively over it, and they had a really good match. And then Lesnar won, and then that was the end of it. And then you, mm-hmm. had, you had Joe basically doing things like feud with Ray Mysterio, and then he got injured – and then it's been a year since they've actually had him wrestle. And um, I have a friend who said, like, well, maybe he, uh, you know, maybe he can't pass their like concussion protocols. But I don't know if that's true. I would think by now, unless it's a look, Daniel Bryan, I feel it was in probably worse shape and he was able to come back. But I was this conversation I was having with someone. It's like you cannot convince me that during that Joe Lesnar match, they shouldn't have had Joe win the title and then hold the title for a, a little bit. You can't convince me like that would have been a bad idea because what happened, like they just had Lesnar for long stretches of time during Joe's tenure, just hold the belt and do fucking nothing with it because yeah. his, his deal was like, Oh, I don't only have to wrestle like once a month. Like yeah. you, you, that's really like you, that you're going to push Lesnar that way. And I like Lesnar I'm not, I'm not dogging the guy. Uh, but you really that you were never going to give Joe a world title run, an actual world title, because I don't, I don't consider the NXT title like a world it's title. Not. It's, it's not. A, to it's me, a it's belt. yeah, it's a brand. I think within the context of NXT, if you hold the NXT title, like it does mean something. But I'm never going to compare NXT to the WWE title or WCW no. or even like. No. It's it's almost like the equivalent of like a your Ring of Honor champion. It's not. Yeah. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even compare it to Impact or AEW. I wouldn't compare it to AEW. No. I wouldn't even compare it to Impact, because you know why? Impact because has, like, because mm-hmm. Rich Swan within the context of anything, just by the virtue of his feud with Kenny Omega, feels like he's more important than the NXT champion does. Yeah. But they, you can't convince me like they shouldn't have put the world title on him. Give him a run. It doesn't have to be like he's world title. Well, I remember he that for like was eight years. That you happened could have him six months, and that happened right in the middle of like the really awfulness of like the Roman Reigns stuff. So they like had to get past that as quickly as possible because we had to get Roman another title shot, and they were which they still booked him to lose. 
And remember, this is like when they were building up. Yeah, they're building up. They they buried him and Strowman pretty much so they could do this this <laughs> Reigns coronation that they chickened out of at the last minute, and then Lesnar beat him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're referring to the fact that Braun lost the Money in the Bank briefcase despite never having actually cashed it in, too. Just to get people not to walk out on the end of a pay-per-view. That um, was that was after this was um this yeah, well, was this was we got the we got that awesome four way SummerSlam match where um Braun was throwing office furniture at people <laughs> and then um then they did that one they did that pay per view main event where Lesnar just like beat him like a bitch and then he never recovered. Well, the other the other time and the rumblings that I've heard. I don't know how credible they are, but the rumblings I've heard is supposedly they were going to move the title off of AJ Smiles, AJ Styles to Joe during their feud and chickened out of that, too, mm. which was an amazing. To be honest, anytime Joe had a feud where he actually had something to do, mm-hmm. he killed it. AJ Styles feud. Wendy, how you doing? Hey, Wendy. <laughs> the Brock Lesnar feud. It's like. I'm going to put my arm around your neck and you're going to feel some pain and pass. I'm, he's like, I choked out. No, no. My favorite line out of the, the Joe Lesnar was not that it was, he's in the ring talking and Lesnar and looking at him. He goes, he goes, Hey, you, you look at me when I'm talking to you. Like all, you know, it was Joe made Brock pay attention to him and take him seriously. Um, hell the thing he did with Jeff Hardy, where they were having the Jeff Hardy appreciation night and Joe comes out there. He's like, Oh yeah. Hey, you missed your AA meetings. I was going to pop some champagne back here, but then I was like, Oh yeah, you can't do that. Can you? Cause you're a screw up. And you know, just like effortlessly cooking this stuff off. It's like anything Joe got his hands on to sink. He had that had enough to sink his teeth into. He killed it. And, and then there were periods when he wasn't hurt and they still didn't have him do anything. They they were, they did uh, survivor series in Huntington beach one year and it's Joe's hometown. So what do they do? He's the first guy eliminated by drew McIntyre pre-world title build doing a standing front drop kick. They do that to everyone though. It's it's dumb every time they do it too. Cause Alvarez was that Brian Alvarez that talked about that? Like how, he mentioned to one of the writers that that was dumb and they were just like gobsmacked that you didn't job people in their hometowns. If, okay. If you're going to job people in their hometowns, cause you want to get heat. All right, fine. That's a surefire way of getting heat, but you don't do it immediately. If you're going to do that, if like, if I was going to do that and have whatever team win, then what you do is you have the match go and you have the hometown guy be the last one. And you get to the end of the match and the hometown guy is underdogging, but he's pulling it off and he's coming back. And then you jerk the carpet out from under him. And so you build it up, build it up, build it up, build it up. And then when you pull the carpet, it's a bigger fall and there's more heat. You don't just have a front drop kick to the look. I like Drew McIntyre pretty well, actually. And his finish is all right. But a claymore is a is him running with the full momentum and weight of his body 
doing that front drop kick to the face. Just a standing front drop kick to the face is not a claymore. I don't care what anybody I tells. I don't think you should ever job someone in their hometown. Like if that means you're putting them in there with someone way down the card with them so that they get an easy win. But I don't think you ever job someone in their hometown, especially when you're just a touring thing like WWE is where you probably hit that town at most three times a year. Like just give the, just give the hometown guy a win. I'm saying if you're going to do that. I just I don't think you problem. should. I think that's a faux pas. No, I'm I'm not going to argue with you, right? Like I'm I'm saying, you know, you probably shouldn't because then people want to see the hometown guy win. They're happy for it. Let them be happy for God's sakes as opposed to WrestleMania this year where all the belts are held by heels except for one. But all of that being said, I while I can see where you guys are coming from with the rationale for releasing Joe, I still think it's wrong. I still think it's dumb, and I still think that they're shooting themselves in the foot continuously. I mean, it's going to depend on if he can if he can prove he's healthy. I think they'd eat crow, but I mean, we have to see if he can actually. Yeah, we don't actually. I mean, I haven't heard anything, but uh, we guess. I guess we don't really know what his health is like. I I assume that after a year after he got injured that he um that he's healthy enough to come back they had him in a color commentator role i don't but i don't know i don't know if he can actually come back uh and i i do agree with you brad that he's look he's 42 now so it's it's like when you hit your 40s you can you can be like a jericho who has basically reinvented himself several times uh in his 40s and can still at least go to a certain level and still has like a a mystique about him and he's, he's working a style that he can, he can continue even for a few more years and keep it interesting. Um, but it's once you get into your forties, it's like there's, it's not that many people who can still continue. And especially and, if you're Joe and you're lugging mm-hmm. around, probably you could probably stand to lose 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think, I think that's the key to him. Like if he can slim down a little bit and maybe, maybe train a little bit, see if he has anything in, in him because it really is a crapshoot because like, you know, we saw Christians done pretty well, but like, and even Daniel Bryan's done pretty well post injury, mm-hmm. but I would argue edge is kind of proven. He shouldn't come back because like, he's so brittle. Uh, yeah. I mean, the older you get, the more, I won't say it. It's, it's, it's tough to say injury prone, but, it's not quite injury prone. It's just that, uh, I mean, your joints are in as limber, like your, your muscles, it's hard, It's more difficult to, to make muscle mass because your metabolism starts slowing down. You're, you're more prone to be getting kind of the injuries that edge had. Like he, what did he, he tore? Like it was it, what did he tear? Like his packers. Is that I, think it was, I think it was his pack, but I can't swear to it. Yeah. yeah I mean, but I mean, he mm-hmm. made it what like his comeback last year. He made it uh, like a couple minutes in the Royal Rumble and a cinematic match, and then he tore a peck that had him out for most of the year. And then he's he's another Rumble appearance and like part of a match into it again. Like that doesn't that's not like a stellar track record. Well, I think the... Christian showed more in like his match with Kazarian than than Edge's showed. Um, the I'm I'm gonna move us to some other folks on the list so we can get through this list well, kind of quickly. Can I go uh, ahead, Matt? Can I just add one more last thought about Joe? Like of all the people that are released, and we're gonna kind of we're gonna discuss them, but 
of all that list, there's only one person I I absolutely would say like, oh, AEW should actually sign them, and mm-hmm. it would be Joe mm-hmm. because assume well, I guess two things. Assuming he can go in the ring, uh, I feel like you can even if he's like limited, it's going to be like well, kind of like we're Christian. Like Christian, I don't think anyone's expecting Christian is per se going to be going to be working matches like John Silver or one of these other guys who it's like he's in matches like every week. Like I don't think anyone's expecting that, but Joe, I think you, there's, there's a few feuds you could do and he has some mystique about him and aura about him. Like you could actually like make money off of him if he can still go. Uh, I know my friend of the show, Chris DiPetrillo, um, <laughs> he had an idea and I see it kind of bandied about, it. he's like, put him in team Taz. And it's like, Holy shit. That actually sounds awesome. Like if you had, have Joe is like a killer coming into oh, Team Taz God. with dudes who are like styling themselves as tough guys, and, and but if you do that, I'm like you got to push them to, they have to be like your main heels now. Uh, that would be interesting. Like I feel like if he can go in the ring, like absolutely. But even if he can't, I mean they're hiring people to be color commentators, like like Paul White, and I feel Joe, who has been doing it, he's actually probably the best color commentator they had in last year. So I think he I think he has value. Like I think that they should definitely make a a, a play to sign him once his not compete is done. Because I do think he adds value. Certainly, mm-hmm. if he had, he can go in the ring, he does. Even if he doesn't, like I think you can still get value out of him as like a, a color guy. Yeah. So, um, other people who were released, and we'll run through these real quick. Um, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the former Iconics, got released. Um, I was surprised they still had jobs, actually. <laughs> when I look at the two of them, what I see is that they, they, they're, in basketball, you call them position players, but they fill a niche of the the yappy, annoying heels that you just love to see getting their comeuppance. My, the favorite thing I remember seeing them do was it was the women's tag elimination thing. And so they'd been running their mouths beforehand, but then they're in their pod. And every time people kept slinging folks against their pod, and every time it happened, the two of them would just cringe and scream. And I'm like, this is just great healing because they've been running their mouth and now they have to, to step up and they have to put their money where their mouth is and they are freaking out over it. And it's, it's, it's just this great, you know, chicken shit heel payoff thing that I enjoyed. But on the – there are two that I feel like were kind of set up to fail because here they were. They had this tag act that was pretty over, and then they go, well, we're going to split you up. Uh, y'all are going to have one match against each other on Raw – and then we're not going to do much for you. And now you've been like Billy Kay was just starting to do stuff and and I guess seemed to be doing pretty well at it. But it's like, oh, we're going to split up the you all being over and oh, sorry, now we're going to fire you. Oh, gosh, what happens? Like you cut their legs off and then fired them for not being able to run is what happened. Yeah, Billy, people are um, the Internet, the, the probably the Internet wrestling community uh, is much more um what what's is it which is the stock term is is it when you're into something you're are you bullish or yeah. or is that when you're hesitant okay you're yeah. a lot more bullish on billy k <laughs> than, yeah. than i yeah. am because she has shown 
a modicum of personality and charisma, um, which isn't I, nothing. I find in, I find the internet wrestling community, and I'm sorry if you're listening. It's not aimed at you because you're smart and listen to us. But <laughs> I find I find the internet wrestling community is really won over by barely anything and then think thinks people are way better than they really are like um mr kennedy just doing that microphone thing like he got he got years of leeway from the iwc for just a little tiny bit of a gimmick and so like Mm -hmm. when the internet wrestling community like gets kind of up on their soapbox about this stuff like a lot of times like the person really doesn't have the merit and I'm not talking about Billy Kay. Um, I don't see a lot in her, but I've noticed the internet wrestling community really does latch on to like the littlest tidbits sometimes and like blows it way out of proportion and acts like someone's way better than they are. I but, I agree. Uh, but I actually agree with both of you because I, Shad, I agree with you in the sense that it, it was classic WWE. Then it's like, okay, you put these guys together, they're pushing they're pushing the two of them as like a, a unit, like a, a tag team, a, a gimmick. And then they did the classic WWE thing where it's like, okay, now we're going to break. You guys are maybe over. Even if you're not like you're, you, you got a thing going on. Okay. Well, we're going to break you up and then we're going to put you guys separately, but then we're going to do nothing with you. And, Oh, you're not getting over. Oh wait, the one is kind of showing charisma and doing some stuff. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Like both of you fired. You know, yeah. enough. Goodbye. Yeah. I think so, um, I think that was like Bruce Pritchard's first thing he did on Raw was like break them up. Of course. But yeah, I agree. Like they they kind of got a raw deal, even if you don't think they're like that talented, which I agree they're not that talented. I agree with you, Brad. Like they're they're kind of people are kind of overselling their value. But I think I think time, Billy Kay had Billy Kay had some value. Mm-hmm. I think I think where they both ran into problems is. Neither of them were particularly good in the ring. Yes. And in this era of wrestling, if you suck in the ring, like you automatically are, you automatically have a ceiling even in WWE. And well, um, they were not I, competent mm-hmm. enough to pass that, that ceiling. But I do think, I do think Kay had something. If you could just get her a little better in the ring, which honestly, after seeing what AEW did with Ty Conti, like they need to get, Dustin or Thunder Rosa to work with her and she might have something, but I thought Peyton Royce just wasn't, I didn't see much of anything in Peyton Royce. I, I don't know about that only because Billy Kay has apparently been wrestling since like 2007. She was in shimmer. Wasn't she Jesse McKay? She was in shimmer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, Jesse McKay was Peyton Royce, Jesse McKay. No, she was Cassie. Or Cassandra, something or other. Okay, yes. so I, I'd seen I'd seen her as Jesse McKay. I've never seen much in her. She's always been kind of a. Well, she she was apparently trained by Madison Eagles, who is uh, another Australian um, female wrestler, who I actually feel is pretty decent. She's um, she's she's uh, Madison Eagles is really good, but she's a weird match for a lot of people because I think she's like a legit six one or something. Yeah, she's. I've actually seen her wrestle. Um, she's insanely tall. Like she's taller than most she, of the guys. She's very tall and. But not lanky. She's, she's not lanky though. That's the weird thing about her. She's got. She. It's always problematic to talk about like 
like female workers and their builds. Like she's um she's got a very athletic build. She's not a um an unattractive woman either. But I am kind of surprised like they never well, I guess I guess she wouldn't have really been like the WWE's type. She's too plain but. looking. It's the same reason they like they hired Sarah Del Rey and is a, is a, is a trainer and not a and not an in ring talent. Yeah. Uh, but she was. But see, like the what, what I was talking about her build though is uh, like you see it with you see it with male wrestlers too. So, sometimes guys and girls hit a certain height where. They just their their body's too big for their athletic ability. You see it a lot with like tall basketball players, like just that weird awkward thing. Or sometimes um, you'll get that weird wrestler on the indie that's like six five or six six, and everyone's like all over the moon about him. And then he's got two left feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I've, I've actually seen guys like that on yeah. the indie scene. <laughs> you mean Rocky Mountain Thunder? Yes. But she didn't have that. She was she was very proficient. I would say she was a more Euro style wrestler than um than you would think. Yeah. And I I she was she's been good in Shimmer. And she's been she did some Chikara stuff. I've seen her somewhere else too. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I Billy McKay is good in the turn in terms of like her i think she actually has some charisma um i think she has shown a propensity for like comedy and last yeah. year she's shown yeah. it i would say i would agree with you like i think they're kind of little people are kind of overselling them but i do actually think that there is value in them the problem is like i if they're not going to be used by the wwe like i think the value i i i personally wouldn't i don't want to see them in aew I I would worry that AEW would pick them up just because uh, the criticism that was levied at, at AEW, which was somewhat fair, was that they didn't have a good women's division. But I actually feel like in the last few months they've been slowly building it up. I actually it's, feel like they have a mediocre division now instead of a bad one. It's 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 problematic in the sense that all in North America, really the best workers are. For by and large, they are with the WWE, and that's kind of goes to your point. Well, no, you know, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you there. Impact Mm -hmm. has a better women's division than WWE does. I feel like I would, I feel like I would disagree because I actually do think there's some good workers if you combine between NXT and the the kind of top level talent on the main roster. But you are correct. Like uh, Impact does actually have a lot of good workers, and they have a lot of similar work. concepts done better. Like, like mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Havoc and Neva is like their mm-hmm. tag champs are a similar concept to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, except they're far better at it. Oh wait, they're not they're... The tag champs. Um, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles are their tag champs, who are fucking awesome too. Like if you're <laughs> talking about personality and just being like hilarious and like assholes, like I love them. They've they've actually both improved a lot. Like Kira Hogan has actually improved a ton, and um, Tasha Steele wasn't she? I think she was with. NWA she jobbed to she jobbed to Thunder Rose on I think into the fire pay per view. Yeah, so she was there, but it, she's improved a ton. She showed like a lot more personality. She's showing a lot more better like ring work. I I do agree with you. Like Impact does have actually good a good female um, division, women's division. I think AEW is improving. The problem is that 
they they only have like so much time to focus on on dynamite that you're really going to get like maybe one maybe two wrestling women's wrestling matches probably only one um you really have to watch like nw get the you have to watch like AEW dark and or Ele- i guess it- or elevation yeah yeah to see that and i do think that they have a lot of like young indie talent that i think could become something i don't know if these people are actually signed to deals or it's just like a paper performance deal um but they seem to be they seem to be kind of regular like i think it's it's a combination i think it's people who are like, associated with qt marshall but also people that are part of like uh thunder rose's well, like uh mission thunder rose's mission pro yes yeah. a few of those a few of those people like that, that she um she's associated with which that's always it's curious to me because like as far as i know she still has an nwa contract but clearly there's a working relationship to an nwa to an extent to nwa and aew look if she does if she whenever her contract is up aew has to sign her like she's she's basically an aew star now you have to she's too talented to actually not if you i think that's one you got to get the dump truck of money out and just yes you have you there's a lot of potential there she's a really good worker she has a lot of charisma um oh her gimmick is amazing her gimmick is amazing her her and um i would i would roll the dump truck full of money up to her and i would as soon as she's healthy i would roll that dump truck full of money up to serena deeb's house too yeah, Serena Deeb is, is another one who's very competent. She's actually surprised me because I would say the early part of her career, I wasn't. No, I didn't like her for a long time. I didn't think I didn't think anything of it, but she actually really, really stepped up her game. This like is I a, thought, I thought, hmm? I thought when she was healthy and working for AEW, I thought she actually elevated that whole division just by being a part of it. Yes. She got her. She should be back soon. I think she got her knee scoped, but that's not a. No, that's not a surgery going to be on the it's not an ACL tear. It's like a scope. So that's not a surgery that you're going to be on on the fence. Yeah. I mean, sorry, be on like the on the shelf for uh, months and months and months. This is like this is like um, sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to say as far as like Royce and Kay, though, like there's women out there you could get, though. You could get um, yeah, Allison Kay. You could go get Kimberly when she's done with impact like diona perrazzo when she's done with impact um i just don't see i don't there's there's plenty of women out there you could get her even like get nicole matthews when her um ban with the united states is over yeah i I would say ivalice but we saw how that worked out (laughs) (laughs) the thing i was gonna say i'm sorry uh, matt i want for the two of them the thing that the iconics i think really hamstrung them is that if they had showed up about 10 years ago in wwe they would have fit perfectly yes Mm -hmm. and it's like the the teaming of them worked because billy k being just over the top either goofy or screechy and royce being uh, the straight man for her to play off of like those two were so in sync with that that it really worked, and then you split them up and you kill that. If you could have had oh, them against see? the Bellas when they were big, that would have been about the time for them. Yeah, they would have been fantastic then. But are we're more like the reason we're talking about CMAEW is because Royce is married to Sean Spears. So if they're going to show up somewhere, that's where the smart money would be. Um, other, I'm going to move us to some other people on the list. 
uh, and some of these we're going to blow through real quick. Um, in the same vein of, hey, you were in something that's over, then we broke it up, and now we don't do anything with you, and you're gone. Uh, poor Tucker from Heavy, Heavy Machinery. I just don't see mm-hmm. – I don't – as a worker, he was fine, but I don't – he doesn't have enough to survive in a single – with without a charismatic tag partner. Like, I'm sorry. There's someone else on the list that's very much in the same boat as him, and you should mm-hmm. we should do him next, but – um. Yeah, are he's just you a, referring to uh, Wes. finish your thought? Wes is the other one. I'm, I'm, he's very oh, much in the yeah. Wes like Blakely role to me. He's oh, he's good in the ring. He's not good enough as a singles like in the ring though. He doesn't have enough charisma. He's not a particularly good talker. He needs he needs like he needs like he needs to be paired with like an up and comer that has those qualities. Like you know, Tucker would be a good. Like right now for like Chad Gable, he would be a good yeah. like second. Yeah. He's he's good to play uh, Robert Gibson for somebody like that. Or not or saying good... anything about Robert Gibson, but to be in kind of that backup role to the lead guy. Or or like a good guy to put with like um, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby and Robert Roode just for them to like berate him and be mean to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another good position player. But they don't use WWE doesn't use position players for anything. So uh, can I add? A, I would actually say, Chad, this is kind of more to your point, where it's like they they bring up heavy machinery, they get them over, and Otis in particular gets way over. Yeah, and then they break them up for no good yeah. reason, and then they don't actually do anything with with Tucker. No, no, and they, then they, they somehow turn Otis. Otis who. I mean, you're not going to necessarily have Otis. He's not necessarily going to be your breakaway, um, massive uh, superstar. But the guy was over, and he has a charisma about him. Like you could have actually pushed him. The guy was amazingly over. Yeah, he could have been okay. an IC champion. I'm gonna. Have, I'm gonna could go have had him flirt him. with the upper mid card. You could have had I, him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have necessarily put a world title on him, but he could have challenged yes. for it on TV. He could have. I could have. Yeah, he could have absolutely he done that. Could have maybe I, been like an off-brand pay-per-view challenger in like yes. a four-way. Yeah, I could have totally. And here's here's the thing. I could have absolutely seen Otis, even if it was like just a short or a transitional run, at the top of the card because he's different from everybody else there. And especially at the end of the um, Mandy Rose plotline, he was so over. He was so massively over. They could have done that. They absolutely could have done that. But no, we can't do that because he doesn't look like a star. Neither did Mick Foley. How did that work? What the hell? Go for it. You're already at record lows in terms of viewership. Take a chance. Try it. See what happens. The worst that can happen is he wins it one night and you have him lose it the next night on Raw. And, okay, there you go. We tried. This really isn't coming together. Um, Whoop-de-doo, okay? Yeah, go – what the hell? Go for it. But no. They have this weird thing, though, where – I don't know. I've noticed this developing with them where it's like an all or nothing thing where it's like either you're going to be like a top of the card guy or like they're going to do nothing with you. Yeah. Look, and I don't I don't get that. And I don't I don't I actually don't understand why they had him lose the briefcase 
briefcase to Miz because no one wanted that. Like literally no one wanted that. Just it was just to get it off of him. It was just to get it off of Otis. But I don't why not just what I never understood about that, though, is why did you not just have him cash in and lose? I don't know. Uh, why not have him cash in and do something with it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, but there's no at least at least you elevate like, but like, what if what if he cashed in and he lost, but you put him in a competitive match with Drew McIntyre? Like, you can still elevate someone. Yeah. Like, Just um, do like remember, it. remember, like some of those Darby Allen title challenges that he lost, but he was competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he almost put away Cody, but didn't. And that elevated him. Here's here's what I was going to say about Otis. Otis's appeal comes from, and I'm not putting him on the same level as Dusty, but you would see Dusty Rhodes out there, and you'd be like, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, son of a plumber. And you'd look at him, and you'd be like, wow, if he can do all that and be the heavyweight champion, then maybe there's hope for me. It's the same, you know, you have Otis go out there and do stuff, and pee, and it's not like Otis is out of shape or anything. The dude's massively strong, but get him out there let him do stuff you know have have him be the guy that's challenging at the top of the card that you it's not that you like him because he's so cool it's that you like him because you identify with him or you're like i could be buddies with him and you cheer for him for that reason and then what happened why i don't know why you had to break up him and tucker you Otis and Tucker being, you know, buddies, even if Otis is doing single stuff, what's wrong with that? I don't know. But yet they got broken up and then Tucker had like I was reading, I think he had maybe four matches since he broke up with Otis and one of them was on Raw the next night. The last one he had was the Andre the Giant Battle Royal Memorial Battle Royal. They didn't do squat with him. And then they were like, Oh, I guess we're gonna have to fire you. It's like, yeah. You killed his gimmick, did nothing with him, and now you're going to fire him. You all are just top-notch. God almighty. Who's next? Oh, yeah, we're doing Wes next. So, what's... what's yeah. What are they Didn't, calling it? What is Wesley Forgettable. Yeah. Well, so, he was... I remember him most, actually, from when he and uh, Murphy were a tag team with Alexa Bliss and NXT. I think that's when he was at his best. But um, yes. he was, was obviously the third wheel there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I guess, uh, I guess a little while later they tried to, they tried to do something with him and some other dude and Steve Jackson, Cutler, I think. Yeah. Yeah, as the Forgotten Sons, and it's just a anarchy gimmick. I think were they supposed to be like Forbidden uh, Sons? I think is their name was. No, they were Forgotten Sons. Forgotten Sons. Yeah, sorry. I, was it the gimmick that is that they were supposed to be like ex-military or something like that? I don't know. All I know is like. It was boring. It was boring, but in true like WWE fashion, that they they brought them up to the main roster, and then they basically disbanded the group because Jackson Riker made a bunch of like really questionable comments that seemed yeah. like kind of like far rightish, and and this and since that happened, he's still employed and kind of getting a push in the sense that he's on TV every week with Elias and the other two guys got <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest here though. Taking taking Riker's comments out of there. If 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 you had to pick one of the three to push and keep, I think we would all take Jason Riker over 
them any day of the week and because he in terms actually, of actual talent, he's better than them. Even though I'm not, because I think like, like let's just remove that because we don't we 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 let a lot of questionable stuff slide on this show <laughs> as far as judging talent. But he has a good look one in his favor. He actually has some in-ring talent. And he does have like some modicum of charisma, so like I could see keeping him over this over Wesley. Yeah, but Wesley getting fired because someone else torpedoed the gimmick is BS. Well, yeah. no, he uh, was just released. He wasn't. I mean, just let out his contract. But I mean, well, I mean but... what are you gonna do with him though? Like he he's really. I mean, I I don't mean this as mean as I'm gonna say, but he's like really a nothing. He's just kind of a blank slate. Like even even in um even when they were doing like the the Wes and Murphy stuff, like he was, he was you know, forgettable. He, yeah, it was just it was all about Alexa Bliss and and Murphy, and then oh yeah, that other guy's there. He's a guy who probably, if he can get a contract with them, should maybe like go to someplace like Ring of Honor, and maybe they figure out something to do with him. I would say, because I, I would say he doesn't have enough personality for NWA. Impact yeah. a bad fit. ROH probably would be it. Yeah. Um, Was, can I ask a question? Yeah. My uh, my memory of of TNA actually blurs a bit. Was Gunner part of uh, Aces and Eights, or is that am I confusing him with other people? Yeah, I think he was because he was there with um, Ezekiel as a tag team. I think. I forget who all was in Aces and Eight. I know at one point like Bischoff's kid was part of it. I mean, Gunner was there for like six years, so I mean, that that whole honestly that period is like a blur. I didn't really follow it that often. No, I didn't either. Uh, I wasn't paying any attention to them in that time. Yeah. Um, I would briefly pay attention. I briefly paid attention when they put the title on James Storm, and then his feud mm. with with uh, Bobby Roode, and then I just kind of trailed off again. I didn't really start following Impact until they were doing like the fi- the final deletion stuff, mm. <laughs> and then once um once Anthem took over, and then it started getting some buzzes when I started paying attention, like when they were bringing in like Eddie Edwards and like Sammy Callahan, and then they kind of were, you know, hey we're we're the, you know hey did someone did some big promotion misuse you come here and like rehab your image? I yeah. don't. I've been watching uh, since they've they've kind of slightly been paired with AEW. I've actually started watching it uh, more consistently, and I would I wouldn't I wouldn't call a lot of it as good, even though some of the in ring is pretty good. But I do think in the last I don't know how many years, at least since like Final Deletion, they are quietly an actual like compelling show to watch. It's, it's not tightly booked, like everything. Yes. It's not the best you're going to watch, but it's not – I don't like – I wa- if I watch an episode, I don't feel like, oh, I wasted my time, which is actually I, – I, we try to – I try to not make this like a just a WWE hate fest, but most most WWE programs, it's like well, I wasted time. This, yeah. this is so stupid. I don't feel that with Impact. Like Impact, even if it's something – a segment I don't care about, it's, it's like inoffensive. And you are correct that it's it's largely tightly booked. The most of the storylines make sense. Certainly the ta- the when you have people challenging for titles or you have the the main event like world title um, programs, they at least make logical sense. Like the most recently, 
and this is like a tangent now, but most recently when you had uh, Rich Rich Swan and Moose fighting for the the actual the world title, it made perfectly logical sense, and they had a good match uh, at the pay per view for it. You, you know, um, Moose is a great example of how a simple gimmick can be catchy and get over. Mm-hmm. And I still love it live, like the whole Moose thing, and like where he like he kind of does like the fist bump and like the whole crowd chance moose as he does it like it's a really great gimmick and you'll find yourself randomly doing that in your head sometimes and i'm glad like impact kept that um other people that are on this list uh mickey james got released i'm surprised she still had a job like she's just Mm -hmm. i kind of did too old i don't know what she's gonna do like she hasn't really been good for a while I think she's perfectly fine. I think she's like 41, 42, which is not that old. But I mean, in WWE land, like she might as well be a grandma. But yeah, I think I th- power, power, I yeah, think is where she'll go. The obvious answer is that she should come to the NWA because, I mean, her husband's there. Yeah. But they also could really use like female talent in, in, in the NWA because like they don't really have a lot. No, they're I mean, they less can, now. Yes, they have less now. You mentioned Allison K not that long ago. She used to be with NWA, but her contract lapsed. Like I actually, uh, she's made like one appearance I think on AEW Dark, or maybe it was actually um, one of the the uh, Dark matches preview matches for not not Rebellion, but I think the previous AEW pay per view. But I'm actually a little surprised that AEW hasn't tried to sign her. Like I actually feel she'd be a really a really positive uh, talent for them. Yeah, I think though. She she's in a sweet spot, I think, though, where if she waits, she might get a little more money because I think I think out of the 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 landscape of female talent, she's probably at the top, especially especially that power run where she showed she had some like in ring chops, especially that Thunder Rosa match. Like, I think that really upped her value. So, yeah, I think I think her playing the waiting game a little bit and seeing if people like put a little more money on there for her is probably smart. Um, the next one that's on my list here, uh, Mojo Raleigh. I was surprised he was still employed um, there. Complete waste of air as far as wrestling goes. I can't believe he lasted as long as he did and showed he, no yeah. improvement. I there are people like Meltzer, Meltzer who actually is like, oh, no, he's actually good. Like, and he was Meltzer when he was released last week was like, oh, maybe he can go to – I don't know if he said Ring of Honor, but he definitely said like, oh, maybe he can go to like Ring of Honor. Let's say Ring of Honor. Let's say Ring of Honor or New Japan Wrestling and he can really like show everyone. And it's like, what the fuck are you seeing in this dude? Like I <laughs> – this dude was in the WWE for years and years and years. He was there probably for like 10 years or close to it. I never – Never saw him do anything of of anything that I actually would credit as like, oh, I that was interesting or that was good. Like it, he he was just like, it's terrible. Like I actually he would look. I you're like, how could he last this long? It's like I think he lasted because in real life, because of his pro um, football background, he he had a relationship with Gronk. And then remember last was it last year, a couple years ago, when Gronk 
actually uh, had signed with the WWE, I think yeah. they're gonna, that was their opportunity to actually push them. Uh, but then Gronk left to go actually play football again. Now he has another he has another championship ring, <laughs> yeah. um, and that kind of left Raleigh out in the in the cold. And yeah. now he's released. But I, I don't I don't see I, he's a guy who I I could see popping up in like TNA. But I'm not. I think he'd be more of a that. power guy. But Ugh. there's this is what I think happened. I think I think Vince was going over the books of the accountant, and he's like, "What's this money right here, sir? That's Mojo Rawley's contract. We still pay him. <laughs> yes, sir. Fire him." Um, I the... can see Vince like legitimately being like, "Wait, we we still have Mojo? Like, I thought we fired him years ago. No, sir. Like, <laughs> he didn't answer the phone when we call him." Um, there's, there's also the story that, um, apparently Mojo as a person is like a really stand up guy and did a lot of stuff to help folks out. Um, whether it was, I don't know, doing appearances or just like pitching in to help him with stuff. So he probably earned a lot of goodwill just by if, if these stories are true, just by being a stand up dude. Yeah, that's what kept Bobby Eaton in WCW for years after his usefulness had expired. But um, even with all of that said, you know, I, I mean, that stuff didn't come out until he got released. I, I guess why would it, to be fair? But, you know, it, yeah, it's still it's kind of surprising that he, he still had a job there. So, you know, no hate to him or anything, but not really a shocker. Um, Chelsea Green got fired. Yeah, who cares? Next. Um, I. <laughs> she has. Uh, she can know. do a character okay, but she is legitimately terrible in the ring. I expect her to be in AEW because I think she's married to someone there, and she's like she's engaged to Matt Cardona. Yeah, and she's friends with Britt, so. Well, she but she previously had um, she previously was on Impact. I actually could see her returning to Impact. Yeah, that's true. And isn't I mean, that's where that's where Cardona is right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. The one the one you're thinking of is actually Peyton Royce, which is actually why I'm concerned that you could see Peyton and or Billy Kay and AEW, even though I don't feel like that's a good fit for them. It's because Peyton is actually married to Sean Spears. So, Yeah. yeah. She could pop up there. Um, Hopefully not. Yeah, I, 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 I hate to say that because it's like I, I don't begrudge Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, but I actually feel like they would be much better off like an impact because I, I actually feel like they probably get showcased better, and I'd rather they be there where you have really good workers who could maybe try and walk them through matches uh, versus taking up valuable airtime in AEW when you have other women who. They're younger and more inexperienced, but I actually feel like they should be given more uh, of a focus. You have people like like Layla Hirsch, who I think is has a lot of promise, or someone like Red Velvet. I think you could make stars out of them, and I don't I don't want to see like their airtime cut because yeah. you're having a Billy Kay Peyton Royce segment. Well, it, I don't, who knows? Maybe they'll go there and a spark will fly and something will set off. Who knows? Well, I mean, but. It wasn't good, working in the E. Yeah. It's a good point that, like, Ty Conti 
was in the WWE system for like a few years, and then she came to to AEW, got signed by them, and within a year, like maybe less, like six months, months I'd think. like six yeah, months. Yeah, she has gotten so good. Like she's not, she, I mean, she's not the top tier, but she's clearly improved like dramatically, and she's she went from being someone I saw nothing in to being like, oh, okay, like. Oh, I want to see her matches. Like she yeah. has, she's showing fire. She's showing like improve, like dramatic improvement. You can actually see it week to week. She, um, because I think if you go back to, mm-hmm. she was in that May Young Classic. We did a bunch. We did a couple episodes of, and I think we were all kind of like, eh, like I don't know if this Ty Conti. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is another segue or not segue, like a sidebar. But you know who's actually I would actually say has improved a ton is Britt Baker. Like she. Oh yeah. yeah. I feel her her character work I feel is like tremendous, but I actually feel like her in-ring talent uh has actually been improving a lot too. I haven't yeah. seen the I haven't seen the match she did with Thunder Rosa Oh, I'm, you're in for I want to. I I'm want per, to. I'm perpetually like 6 weeks behind on AEW. You should be getting close to it then, shouldn't you? Uh probably cuz I think that match happened like 3 4 weeks ago, so I, another another week or two I probably will hit it, but um I think she's improved a ton. Yeah. So, the the last release that's on the list here is someone who's who's actually been smart and preparing for this to happen. Uh, Bo Dallas has kind of been preparing for life after WWE. Um, you know, he's been getting into real estate. He has a he and Liv Morgan bought a farm together. Um, they live there together. Uh, you know, she's she's still employed as of as of this recording, but. Uh, you know what? the The guy knew that he he he's, he read the writing on the wall and said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna make plans for another walk of life." And you know, good for him. You know, the fact that he was able to do that. I have very conflicting emotions about him as a worker and a talent. He never there's he's always missed some it factor to me. Like I thought he was decent in as the NXT champion. Like I liked the Bo Lever thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um I thought the B squad was hilarious just because they were mm-hmm. such idiots. Well, yeah, but segments. that's what made it work. Well yeah, but I mean so like he's done some stuff I've liked, but like there's he's always just he's there's always something he's he's lacked for me and I don't know what it is. I, I agree. He's he's a curiosity because I don't know what he's been doing. I mean, it's been the pandemic, so there hasn't been house shows. I think I read a statistic where his last televised WWE match was like in 2019. It was. I read the same and, thing. And again, they would have shut down actual like house shows by March of 2020. Yep. So I don't think he's actually been wrestling at all. Uh, for like over a year, but he allegedly is going to get out of the wrestling business, but he's a curiosity in that. I agree. Like, I think, I think he, there's always something that's been missing, but I actually do think he has enough talent that I would be curious to see him pop up in some place like power or, or like, or impact because I feel like they could use him potentially and, and it might work. I mean, they look 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 at a guy like Aaron Stevens, who is basically all over NWA power, <laughs> and he's actually been 
good. I mean, he's been entertaining. So I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if they could do something similar with Bo Dallas. Maybe. I, I think it's Aaron Stevens got a pretty raw deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you know what the weird thing is though is Aaron Stevens. Aaron Stevens had a weird arc post WWE because when he first got out, he kind of fell on his face and proved that um, he kind of wasn't as good as he was. And then it took him getting an NWA to kindly find, kind of finally find something to show that he actually has a lot of merit as a talent, but he had about a, that first bit, like, especially his like TNA run, like wasn't good. Well, it's, you know, you, you get cut out from all the tools you had and now you're trying to reinvent yourself and find your feet. I can understand why that would happen. You know, you, you go somewhere new and you don't have any of the, the tools to use you used to have. And you're just like, Oh God, now I've got to figure out something else. And I think guys try too hard sometimes too, when they're first getting out of the E and then that like makes it worse. Oh, probably. So that's the releases. Um, well, you know, not all of the releases because we have an AEW release. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and that's I'm true. Pretty, I'm pretty sure Ivelisse has a special honor of being the only person other than Jimmy Havoc f- for being fired from AEW. Yeah, not yes. released. Straight up fired. Yes. And and like, um, let's just say the entire world was not shocked. <laughs> it, it's it's surprising that she even lasted as long as she did because there was, this was months ago, but there was that match she had with Thunder Rosa where it's clear she just stopped cooperating. Yeah. And after that, it's like that, that and that probably did do her in. And she's been on know, Twitter. Actually, it's funny. She was on Twitter today or yesterday or today. Like she's like trying to blame it on Thunder Rosa. Yeah, she oh. blamed that match being bad on Thunder Rosa. She's like, oh, she quit working with me. I don't know why she can't be a professional and we can just do this. And it's like, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on just a second. Look, it it says a lot about one's reputation um, and the, the perceptions people have of her yeah. that when she got fired in the last few days – her initial tweet was something that's like, wow, you know, I can't believe someone got fired for, for, uh, what, I forget exactly the way she phrased it, but it was like for bringing up like abuse. And we're at a time now where some sort of allegation of, of bad behavior on part of a wrestling company would get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And, no one bit at that. People were just like, yeah, yeah whatever. We know who you are, Elise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're no one bought about it. it. No one was like, oh, please tell us what? more. Like, what abuse were you fired for for trying to talk and, about? Everyone was just like, shut the fuck up. Like, we and, know you're lying. And, when, <laughs> and you could just hear the shuffling of money as um, people were handing over their lost bet money as soon as oh. that fire tweet hit because everyone's yeah. like, ha, I knew it'd be less than a year. Yeah, the, they had the pool going. Yeah, but... No, but like, yeah, it just it does say something about her reputation that she made accusations. That everyone's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, I feel kind of bad, even though I'm sure like they will find something else for her and she'll be fine. But I feel bad for um, Diamante because they had her and Ivelisse as a tag team. Diamante and... was like her. Perf- I'm pretty sure Diamante just only had a job to be Ivelisse's personal like babysitter. Well, Diamante's not. A bad worker. I actually no. feel like this could 
they could do something with her and they probably will. Like, I think she's going to still be part of. Yeah. I think, I think, I think she's justified staying, but I think initially she came in as like, probably Eva Lisa's like babysitter. (laughs) Yes. They're probably like, look, um, it's going to be a big assignment for you, but please, uh, (laughs) please be her handler. Can you please sit on her? Yes. Can you do something? And, and then they, and, and we'll, we promise we will make it worth your while. And she goes, okay, well, we'll do, and, like, look, we just need you to keep an expense account. Every time you have to, like, slap the shit out of her for misbehaving, we'll give you $1,000. Like, just. There's there's so many things it could be. But if I could just see it being like a, look, if if you will handle her until she blows it up too badly for us to keep her around, we swear we will we will we will make it worth your trouble. You're probably you know, like. They, you're probably having like you're probably having lunch with Tony Connie. Like he like looks at his cell phone. He sees Diamante. He's like, oh god damn it! Like she did what? Like well, here, yeah. how about five thousand dollars? He he just looks at her and he said, I keep my promises. I keep my promises. And and she goes, I know you do. I know you this... do. But God, can we? And he's like, I know, but this one isn't big enough. Look, here's the thing. Whenever she came in. Everyone's like, uh, I don't think so. And then, like, there was friction b- between her and Rosa, and everybody's like, yeah, um, we're, yeah we we don't know what's star. happening, but we're agreeing with Rosa. Yeah. And then the first – weren't there two blowups? Is that right? Like, two oh, things I'm, happened? I'm sure there know. were – I'm sure there were dozens of blowups. Well, I'm okay. I'm going off of I'm I've been hitting head too many times. I'm going off of shoddy memory here, but I think that there was an instance of some kind of trouble, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna smooth this over," and they did. And I believe like was was making noise about it or something, and then that kind of went away, and then this happened, and it's like everybody's like, "We were waiting for this shoe to drop," you know, we knew this was coming. I don't know her um, history. Her history is, you know, it's actually a shame because she's a fairly talented performer and she just can't behave herself. Might be like some other people we've talked about on this show. Tessa Blanchard. Mm. Low key. Uh, yeah, but you know, but the, but here's the thing though, it's a no, test. No, quit. Stop. You're never no, no, going no, to be around no, you, him. It's, <laughs> it is a. Te- it is a testament, though, to Loki's talent that people know he's going to burn them in six months and they'll still use him because he's going to give you a good six months. You just got to know he's going to burn you at the end. But it also seems like the difference, though, between Loki and Ivelisse, though, is Ivelisse just seems impossible and like a malcontent. And she's never happy and no one likes her with Loki. Other than like instance when he's younger, I'm talking about currently. Loki seems like he's just going to bail on you when you start wanting him to job, but it doesn't seem like he causes you. He doesn't seem to cause like problems unless he, he just... does. And just, it's, it, his is more like a creative thing, not like a person, like an interpersonal thing anymore. I don't know. I'm not. Anyway, it, there, there are plenty of people who have plenty of talent, but they are. If we were talking about like an office workplace setting, I'd call them an Eeyore. There's someone who just puts out so much negativity that they're trying to spread it around because misery loves company. And, you know, if I'm going to be unhappy, so is everybody around me. And 
you don't need that kind of crap in your workplace. It's just going to bring everybody else down. And in a business where you're trusting the other person with your well-being, you absolutely don't want someone like that around. So, you know, uh, I, I hate to be the guy that, you know, I hate it whenever it feels like I, I got to say something like this, but it seems like everybody knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when. Oh, totally. Like, I don't think I, I, <clears throat> I think I think a lot of people were surprised she lasted as long as she did. Well, blew it up right in her own face. Yeah. Uh, that's going to we're going to move on to something that kind of comes out of the the recent mania and, and stuff following. Um, and that's the importance of having clean finishes. Now, the thing is, you've got just on a base level, you've got to have a clean finish. If for no other reason than in history. There was a series of – they came to be called Dusty Finishes where Dusty Rhodes kept booking finishes that were like, oh, this happens, and then we reverse it. That – you know, honestly, that was a well-worn trope before Right, Dusty. but it, it, it got the name because Dusty just kept doing it. Now, like, you know, other other promotions abused it. it, it I mean, calling it a Dusty Finish is fine, but like – um. I think I think he just gets that rap because it happened a lot when a lot of like the current um, kind of people that drive the narrative were. Well, but I, for stuff. the sake of for the sake of kind of setting the stage on this, you know, it, as an example, Dusty would do this and it looks like this guy would win the title. And it's like, oh, but as it turns out, because of some rule that we nobody knew was in effect then he doesn't win the title and oh that's too bad isn't it and then so every instead of it being like well i want to see him you know get that everybody's just got the wind out of their sails i mean that's what the whole over the top rope rule existed for was to dusty finish everything in the 70s and, and um you know uh uh, Luger beating Yokozuna by countout was not a clean finish. And what did it do? It just hurt. It just killed Luger. Like, well, it's because he celebrated like he won something. Right. But it, it wasn't a clean finish. And yet here we are. Well, really where I, I wanted to talk about this was on SmackDown last week. Cesaro beat... I was um, just trying to set the stage, okay. that's all. Was mm -hmm. beat Jey Uso by DQ, which... I think is really a problem because I think I think non-clean finishes have a place, but mm -hmm. as we've seen kind of across the board, like as we entered the '90s, like if you go back to like '80s Japan, like double DQs and double countouts are everywhere, and they kind of figured out, hey, that kind of pisses people off. We should stop doing that. And I think a lot of American promotions have kind of gone that way. Like if you look at AEW, AEW has maybe a DQ every six months or so. Yeah, like very it's it's um it's exceedingly rare. Yeah, which I would actually argue like they should probably do a little more because the problem the problem with AEW is that they I appreciate what they're trying to do. They're not trying to do screwy finishes. So they're trying to make it all the they're trying to make the wins and losses matter because they have, the, of course, a ranking system. But I, I feel like it gets a little complicated because they want to try and push people 
so they have them interact like every week and i don't know that it always works yeah i kind of kind of agree with that they, I, they if they if they had more dq finishes it, it would probably they they want to keep they want to keep the wins and losses like strong they want to they want to push that which i could i appreciate that i think i think promotions generally should try and do that that said because they do that like they can't they can't just have guys like face each other um and maybe it's like a dq finish but so they do this thing where it's like like the the darby team taz thing was kind of like the a bad like a the egregious example it's like you, literally every week you had them out doing stuff and it's like maybe you don't do that because as much as I love Sting, like Sting is no longer like important, kind of. Yeah. Like he's he's not like a special attraction now because you had him every week doing stuff with Team Taz, and it's like uh, maybe don't do that. Maybe like maybe only every other every other episode you have you guys do stuff. I don't know. It, it's a little complicated, but yeah. I, I'm digressing. But I think I think uh, when when you get over to WWE, like so, you had the Cesaro versus Jey Uso match, and Cesaro won by DQ because Seth Rollins like ran in because they had just had a match at Mania. But it's like, um, you know, that's a really egregious example of a non clean finish because that'd be like having an upper mid card guy only beat Brad Armstrong by DQ in like the early nineties. The the WWE used DQ finishes like a lot. And sometimes like they do like the same finish back to back. Yes. On I'm sure if I actually paid attention, they probably would have a DQ finish at least once every week. They do. They probably. U- they Maybe usually more. one or mm-hmm. two every week. Uh, but yes, like I, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to be extraordinarily generous to to Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. It's like think of. Think of old school NWA or early 90s WCW, and you have a face who you're building up to challenge Ric Flair. And I'm going to say, uh, let's compare Roman to Ric Flair. Like, that's, that's exceedingly generous. But, like, Jey Uso in this uh, scenario would be like Arn Anderson. I wouldn't even say that's fair because. J- well, I no, I mean, I'm, again, I'm being yeah. extraordinarily generous. But the face would have a nice competitive match with Arn Anderson because, I mean, Arn Anderson's built up. But he'd, he'd beat Arn Anderson. Or maybe maybe he's like a Bobby Eaton or somebody like, you know, like Larry Sabisco and the Dangerous Alliance. Somebody. It's like you would have them beat them. You wouldn't be like, oh, it has to be Deaky Finish because we have to keep we have to keep Jay Uso strong. It's like, no, Jay Uso exists to, be Roman, Uso. to eat pins for Roman Reigns. Yeah. That's his function. It would not have hurt. It would not have even changed anything for Seth to run in after Cesaro beats Jay. Like that's what I don't get about literally it. changed nothing. And yeah. why they're continuing this? The, it, it it God, I know this is going to be a tangent from our clean finishes section. I'm sorry, but why they're continuing a storyline post Mania? I don't get mania is supposed to be the blow off show. That's where the stuff ends. And then the day after mania, you start building the new stuff, but no, the next show is going to be WrestleMania backlash, which now means that WrestleMania, the grandest stage of them all, the showcase, of the immortals, the grand poobah, whatever in the hell is now just another show. 
because we can't end stuff there. Every show is just another show, Shad. Yeah, it's they don't they don't don't, they're they're content producers now. Yes, they're just filling air. That is their function. Like nothing is actually special. Maybe maybe once they actually have, and I'm not considering this WrestleMania a true test of like fans back in, in the stadiums, but. Once they actually do live shows again on a consistent basis, maybe it will mean more. I doubt it, but yeah, the, no show is important. Like they, we're still in the, we're still operating under the assumption that WrestleMania is important. It's not, it's not that important anymore. Like mm-hmm. everything is just another show because they're there to produce content for, you know, the USA Network or for uh, Peacock. Peacock. Like that's Look, that's where their money is. I was gonna be happy. To see Cesaro finally like being going up the card and stuff, but they're doing this kind of crap makes me not want to watch their show well, even I think, more. I think too the struggle is so like like it's bad storytelling. So like so okay so he beat Seth. Seth ran in, but Seth didn't cost him the match. So theoretically he's still getting a title shot. But why is he still having issues with Seth when he beat him cleanly? Like. He should be moving on to the next program, yeah. and you have this like muddled. He beat mess. Seth definitively. He did the UFO. He did the swing. He did the neutralizer. One, two, three, done. In terms of of Seth Rollins, Cesaro has his number and put him in the ground. Next, but no, we can't have that. But to go back and, to Matt's point, though. Um, they've been in this mode for a while. Like their their three month feud formula, they've been doing at least since like 2012, I think. They really mm-hmm. got into that formula when they went to the network and pay per view became less important. That's really where we really got screwed by that move because they felt less obligated to give you good finishes when you're paying ten dollars a month instead of sixty dollars straight up for a pay per view. Mm-hmm. But that's where like when their content filler thing came in is when they got this idea that feud should be three months and go through three pay-per-views. So then the first two matches never mean a damn thing. Oh, you mean it's like the first 60 minutes of the Brett Sean Iron Man match. Yes. But like, like Bray Cena is a good example of that. Where like Bray won like the first match and then Cena won the next two. Like it just, none yeah, of Bray it didn't mattered. even win the first one. Bray won. Um... Did he win the second one? He won this. He, he lost the Mania match. Then the second match was the cage match that had the the chicanery with the the kid. And then he lost the third match. Okay, sorry, I got it wrong. Usually, it's, usually, usually, what happens is someone wins the first match and then loses the next two. They don't like back and forth it very much. Well, but they 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 just screwed that whole feud up from the beginning. And also the the damnedest thing about Bray winning that second match was the fact that Cena beat the living hell out of all three of the guys, and Bray only won by chicanery, which means there is no – they had the face-heel dynamic completely backwards. So, you know, that, that's, that's just beside the point. It, to me, they're – the pattern that they do is even more egregious because it's the same thing. It's like they do these, they, they do in fact do these like three month feuds, but they'll have, it's not just like, Hey, they'll, they'll have a match at this pay-per-view 
and then a second match of the pay-per-view. And the blow-off for month three, it'll be a gimmick match, which they do. But in between, it's like, okay, well, they have to face each other or have a segment with each, with each other every week on Raw or SmackDown. And it's like, don't. By the end of it, I'm, I'm so fucking over this because you've actually had these two people or more, if it's a tag team, have for many people. It's like, you've had them interact with each other or face each other like 50 times in yeah. a Remember, month period. I'm over it. Like, Remember I don't... that Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler thing that would just not yes. end? And remember they did that 30-minute Iron Man match where, like, they had a longer match earlier in the feud? Yeah. Yeah. The the Iron Man match was the shorter one, and it still didn't make a difference. Well, the fact that – the the reason they do so many damn gimmick matches is because they've had them face each other so many damn times that you have to have that it's like well we have to do something special because you've already seen this like 50 times by now well, and it's like maybe why don't i i don't i understand you have weekly episodic tv it can't be like the 1980s where you would you would maybe see on primetime wrestling like some dudes cut a promo and then you know that was it like it, it's really like stretched out but still it's like you don't need people interacting every show yeah and and where where i really really bothers me is is title programs because i hate when they do that with title programs because it's like well the champ this is this really came up in the orton mac mcintyre thing is like if Mm. the champion beats you as the challenger in in like let's say boxing or mma you go back down Mm -hmm. the ranking list and you have to earn your way up so like in wrestling what they used to do, like in Memphis and stuff, like if you lost that title match and you come back and be like, hey, I want another title match. It's like, well, I beat you. Well, how about this? Like you put the title on the line and I'll put my hair on the line or, hey, here's here is ten thousand dollars or, hey, yeah. I will retire if I don't beat you. Like the, if the challenger comes back, they need to put some sort of stake <clears throat> in it to wet the, the champion's whistle a little bit. Yeah, and, you've, and, you've got to entice the champion because the champion doesn't have anything to prove. Exactly. Or the but, champion needs to do like, or 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 an angle I've done fantasy booking that kind of did it with Flair in like mid nineties WCW, it, but they don't really have that kind of same setup. But like you know the champion beats you. He's like I'm not defending anymore. Like okay, well I'm gonna go I'm gonna go win the U.S. title and then you have to face me because I'm the number one contender. Right. It would be okay. If the builds weren't all the damn time, if every build was not always the same thing, if they were spaced out, if if you only like if you got segments for your stuff every other week to build your feud, what would that do? One, it's more special when it happens because we didn't literally just see it. And number two. More people get more opportunities to do more stuff and earn their pay instead of sitting and catering all night, not doing anything. Just, you know, and and you don't have to blow it off at the next pay-per-view. Quit making them so damn long. Let the people who are going to be on the card have some more time. And then, you know, okay, you're doing this at Backlash, which means, I don't know, I'm going to make it up. No Way Out is next. That means you're doing this at No Way Out. And we can just have a little... More time. Everything does not have to be just a red hot 
straight shot build right in it right to the next thing and that also means you don't have to 50 50 book everything you can have clean finishes where somebody goes over clearly and then advances and then works their way up the card you know cesaro beats rollins clean he's moving on to reigns you don't have to get anybody else involved it's just like no he's he's got to get reigns to have the match with him now Okay, we can you know, we can do something with that. Just for God's sake, slow everything down. Don't. Well, they need to get rid of pay per views. Honestly, they've needed to get rid of pay per views for a long time. Like I think the I mean they don't they don't like sometimes they only have like I mean in recent years they've had as short as like two weeks to turn around between pay per views and it's just you There's can't. There's no need for that. Yeah, like I think I think I think AEW could do with a couple more, but I think like one every two or three months would work better because then that lets you like take your time and story tell properly. Like I really think, I really think 12 pay-per-views was a novelty at first because people were like hungry for wrestling content. But I feel like, I feel like it really just hampers long-term ability because you can't properly build things and you burn your challengers too quick. Or you stretch it out so long that nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to do we want to move on to our final segment? Yes, yes. Let us. And the the genesis for this discussion came out of. Um, well, frankly, it came from Edge. Um, in Edge's career, he's had three big finishes i think he had the downward spiral when he started which was like um it was a flatliner basically yeah um then he had the impact he had, ddt he had yeah they call it the education okay <clears throat> kind of roll my eyes at that name was that one where he get, did like that kind of where he'd like pull them like he he'd like grab their head and like kind of do like a sit out like reverse like Buster thing was that ever a finisher? Or was that just that like wasn't something? a finish? That was okay. a signature spot. Um, I don't know if there was a name for it, but it was kind of a re- inverted face. But Goldust used the same move, but he it had a name for Goldust. I think it was <laughs> called the Oscar or something. But yeah, no, that wasn't a finish. That was just a spot. Um, but and then he had his spear, which I have okay. I have never liked the spear on Edge. I I like Edge, but I have never liked the spear on Edge. I liked the the jumping DDT on him. Hell, I used it for a long time, but not not the spear. Matt, what what, what did you say they call it? <laughs> Edges. I've heard it called like the the running hug of doom or something like that. Yes. <laughs> something like something that. Like, yeah, because it didn't have a lot of impact to it. Well, no. it, it's okay. So Edge's spear in I'm gonna I'm gonna talk dynamics of it. I guess Edge's spear is he comes running at you and he jumps, and when he hits you, he does not go through you. He hits you. One arm goes around you. He sometimes he kind of quarter rotates, so he lands on his knees next to you which is great for transferring into a pin except it doesn't look like he's spearing you it looks like he's, he's doing like a, a hunched, grenade in a movie he's doing a hunched forward shoulder block to the abdomen 
It's not. It's a. Okay. And, and and like I said, there's no follow through. He hits you, and everything stops. That's that's in my book. That's not a spear, and that's why I don't like Romans either. Is because Roman. I haven't watched recently because I just haven't watched WWE recently. But that was the biggest thing: is his spear is when he would make contact with you, he'd just stop. I thought this was better when he was in the shield. It's gotten progressively crappier as time has gone on. Yeah, well, yeah, in his singles run, his spear was – he would at least, like, leap and extend for it. Edge's spear still had, like, his knees tucked up under him in a lot of cases. So the body doesn't elongate for this big dynamic look. Like, Roman at least jumps out. And whenever he does it, like, he he stretches his body out, so it looks like, oddly enough, it looks like an actual spear. Long, right? Long. Roman's at least, least like, built, and he's, like, a big dude, so Mm -hmm. he has, like, a believable body for it. I think that's also where Edge's hurts is because Edge, Edge isn't, like, a super physically imposing guy, like, in a wrestling setting, so I think you gotta give it a little more juice versus, like... Yeah, some of the other people that use it because like like obviously I think I think when we talk about this Goldberg is obviously far and away the best absolutely and not only is Goldberg the best he was the first one to be doing that it's odd the first one to do stuff being the best doesn't that's usually limited to like it's like limited to Goldberg and Arn Anderson spine buster but you know Goldberg first of all Goldberg hits you with a spear he leaps into it. His body is up off the ground, so it's this big dynamic thing. And he doesn't just – like Goldberg is big, right? Like he's a broad-chested dude, big traps, you know, all this sort of stuff. So he it it looks like it gets hurt to hit by it. And he didn't just hit you and stop. He flipping mowed you over because he was doing a full-bore football tackle. Like, it had the double-leg takedown, like, whiplash aspect to it. I remember the first one he did to Scotty Riggs. I was just like, jeez, because it looked like it killed him. I did like that segment um, where he did it to Bret Hart, and Bret Hart had, like, the chest plate, so Goldberg just, like, got KO'd because he had that piece of, like, steel under his shirt. Yeah. Well, that was the other nice thing about Goldberg doing the spear was that he would he would hit so hard and commit to it that if something went wrong, it was even more believable. Brett wearing the plate, Goldberg hitting the post in the Goldberg DDP Halloween Havoc match. Like he, his spear was, I'm a run you over. Whereas Romans and edges are like, when I hit you, I stop and we both fall down. Um, for me, the number two, spear is actually going to be rhino and i know it's the gore but rhino <laughs> being this stocky thick dude who just leaps and mows you down with it oh it's a great visual and i can totally buy he's like a wrecking ball swinging through the air hitting you i was never that big into rhino but rhino did get the move really over and he was for a period of time he was very believable in it because he's a He's a weirdly shaped guy. He's he's very. <laughs> I almost feel he's more wide than he is he's tall. Got, he's <laughs> got like most of his bulk is like in his ass and his hips. Like he is a weird looking guy, and he's got really yeah, short arms. Yeah, he looks I mean, like a a box. 
He's he's like a box. He's like a fridge with legs. Yes. Like he, uh, and, like Larry D. And he's not he's not exactly a short guy, but he's also not a big guy. He's he's also he's weird because I think he's taller than he looks, but his build makes him like. Have you ever seen? Oh, he looks you, stubby. Yeah. Have you ever seen like Lex Luger live? Mm. No, I have not. So Lex Luger live, you would legitimately think he's like six seven. And then you realize, like, when you see him next to other people, like, he's a tall guy, but he's not, like, he's not as tall as you think he is. But there's something about the way he's built that, like, gives him the appearance of being taller than he is. Rhino kind of has that effect in the opposite way where he just, he, I also think he looks shorter because, like, I think his weird build and, like, how he has all that bulk and, like, I think he has to, like, kind of hunch a bit to not crush his balls between his thighs. <laughs> So I think I think that might make him look a little shorter, but he's very stumpy in appearance. And I think that may, that gives off the appearance of him being short. But I mean, we've seen him in WWE, and he's got to be at least six feet, I think. I think he's just shy of that, but he's like a wrecking ball just swinging through the air, hitting you. I actually think TNA used him the best out of all the companies, though I did right like up. his run with Heath Slater. Oh, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't like that. I, I. I... I would actually probably agree with you about TNA using him the best. I just like the segment where they're at like Heath Slater's like trailer and they're doing something and he's like sitting there in the corner with like the spray on cheese and crackers and he's like drawing like <laughs> frowny faces on the crackers. <clears throat> um, yeah, it, I liked Rhino's. Here's another odd odd one but and this wasn't in a period where i was paying a lot of attention but there was a woman in wwe named caitlin oh yeah and she worked her most of the notable work she had was with aj lee she would do this spear and aj lee like would just die on impact with it but you know we got to take context into effect you know the these these women were not as tall as some of the men that we see or that sort of stuff. But she looks like she just murdered somebody with that spear because she would run right over top of them. I think Charlotte. I think it's a good move for Charlotte because her obvious size advantages over most of the women makes hers look believable. Charlotte doesn't use it as a finish. No, but she helped. uses it. She uses it as a move though, and I think I think hers isn't perfect, but I think she can get away with some of it because she is so much larger. Because I think I think like I think people might pick it apart part technically, but if you know you're a standard size like Sasha Banks and you have this six foot tall like hundred and eighty pound woman just run you over like that, like she doesn't have to do a lot because her bulk's gonna do most of the work for her. Uh, well, and and it like I said, it also helps that it's not her finish, so it doesn't get as much scrutiny. Um. But yeah, I, you know Charlotte's taller than a lot of a lot of the women, so yeah, you're right. It, it absolutely works. And she's, Matt, I mean, she's got a lot of mass to her just because she's so like, because she's like pretty much she was was she a she was just an athletic trainer, right? Or was she a bodybuilder? Charlotte Flair. Yeah. I feel like she. I feel like she was like a basketball player, maybe. Let me look this up. I think she was professionally i think she was a trainer before okay. she started wrestling but she's, I she's could be okay so looking it up she was a volleyball player so i knew she did play um 
college sport. She was a volleyball player and and looks like she was a personal trainer. Okay. She's tall. She's like 5'10", which is quite tall for a woman. And she's like, especially if you see her live, like she's she's got, she's like, she's she's got, she's quite built, like muscle wise. No, she's she's well developed. Yeah. And I don't That's... mean that in a bad way. She's, no, she's, she's put got, she's she's, she's a very um put a lot yeah. of work into her body. She has a very athletic frame. Yeah. Because um, she's got so like she... she's wide shouldered, mm-hmm. like she's very, like she's very. I don't know if wide's the right word, but she's got like just like. When you see like an athlete and you see like an athlete that has that mass to them, she has that. She's just well, dense. This is a – if you want to actually look to like NXT, um, and she's actually like changed her physique. She's improved it a lot, but uh, the current champion, Ra- Ra- Raquel Gonzalez, like she's actually changed her look a lot because she has so- – she's someone who if you look at her, she has like a, a very well-developed back because she clearly has been like lifting, working out a lot more. Um, and she's kind of taller. They, they don't quite have the similar frame, but it's kind of, it's kind of, it's edging into like the same type of thing. Um, but I almost feel like it makes, it makes her more believable. And maybe because she's working with like girls who are like five, 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 six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's like five ten and well muscled, it actually, it, it makes, makes it a difference. Like it, it's easy for her to look like she's ragdolling someone with little effort because she's... yeah, I will give Raquel Gonzalez uh, some kudos. I actually think she, I think she was in, uh, I think she was in the May Young Classic, and she I was, like she... and we thought she had potential. But remember, she was in there with that. She was like that American Ninja Warrior lady. Oh, okay, oh, Casey Casanzaro, who's yeah, still. We... And we commented mm. that we thought Gonzalez had potential, but it looked like she was like she was in there with like someone she was afraid of like hurting. So like she was mm-hmm. doing everything like super, super light. Yeah, uh, I actually think Raquel Gonzalez has actually improved like a ton. She has. I think she's got she's gotten she's really starting to come into her own. I actually think she has even more room for improvement, but I think she's actually really, really developed as a professional wrestler. I think she's improved a ton. I, I my only problem with her placement though is I feel like I, I I really it really annoys me their misuse of Dakota Kai in NXT and I feel like yes, they gave I agree. they gave everyone a glimmer of hope that they were gonna finally do something with Dakota Dakota Kai and they were just like haha suckers this was just to get Raquel Gonzalez over yeah I I a hundred percent knew that exactly what they were gonna do I saw this is like months ago but I think it, I think Dakota Kai did have a match with Rhea Ripley. And I think Rhea won, but it was a very competitive match, and Raquel looked like a star. And when that happened, and this was even before she formed the tag team with Dakota Kai, I was like, oh, no. When when that tag team got formed, in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're, they're just – they're they're counting the, the, the days till they can push Raquel over Dakota, which is sad. I mean, I, I get pushing Raquel. I think, I think you have some potential there to do something with her, but – I do think Dakota Kai is actually quite talented and she's got a lot of charisma. Like you could do something with her more than what they're doing. Like she, I don't know. They just feel like ever since that Shayna Baszler thing where they made, like she never got any comeuppance on her after looking like a total putz. Mm -hmm. Like it just feels like they're just out to get her for some reason. 
Yeah. Anybody else? I'm going to drag us back over to the original topic. Is there anybody else that's been a regular um, user of the spear that's that's been uh, well? I, th- I mean, worth mentioning. I guess. I feel like there's a couple of people, but I can't remember them. I could be cheeky and say like Gilbert, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> honest answer is uh, I actually think in AEW, I think uh, Ricky Starks has been using the spear a bit. Has he? It's not, I don't think, it's not his finisher, but I think he okay. has been using it um, as a signature move. Given um, Stark's other work that I've seen, mm-hmm. I have actually a decent amount of faith that he probably does it pretty damn well. He does do it well, but if you're actually, I mean, if you're focusing on Team Taz, mm-hmm. as much as I like Starks and as much as he does do the move well, I think he's a really talented worker. I kind of edge more into the, like what Brad was saying, like Roman Reigns, his spear looks good because, I mean, he has a pro football or he has a football background, but he's a, he's a really built, like in shape dude. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Starks is very in shape, but he has more of that, like, like, I'm not going to say lanky, but he has more of that. He's leaner. He's leaner. He has almost more of like a like a, he's a dude who like you know could smoke. He probably does like CrossFit and, and th- things like that. He's like in really good shape. But if I'm looking at people from Team Taz, like I would I would want Powerhouse Hobbs or Brian Cage to be doing a spear if they're gonna if someone's gonna do that move because they were both really big dudes and if they did a spear as long as it was halfway competent. They would look like they would be murdering the person who's receiving that. Brian Cage would probably do some like stupid flip in the middle of it and ruin it, though. Maybe <laughs> you should probably get it to Powerhouse Hobbs because he's a big dude and he look and that would he would just look like a killer. Yeah, I guess Big E does a spear sometimes too. This is a this is not a spear, um, but I'm gonna give a shout out to a dude who did a similar type of move, but, but Monty Brown and the pound the oh, pounce. Yes. He. He that's a sad that's almost like a sad story because that dude was like over yeah and he was getting over as like Marcus Quavon or whatever he was in Corvon. the WWE Corvon but he left wrestling I think it's because he had I don't know the full story I think I had heard that he had to give like a kidney to like a family member or something like that but he that had was, like he also I think he also had like a gym or he was like a fitness trainer and he was making more money at that than wrestling too. Maybe, but that dude's that dude's pounce was amazing. Yeah, uh, I loved it because it was not, it, it was not a spear. Like it was, it was a neighbor to it, but it didn't live in the same yes. house. Yeah, and so it, and it really, really worked with the six sided ring because he could hit you, he could blindside hit you from the side because he could get the angle on you, which made it look better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great, and um. They should yeah. be. They should just give some of these moves to like dudes now. Like, if I'm thinking like Powerhouse Hobbs, like give him like the pounds. He's a big dude. Yeah. That dude's like pushing 300. Like that dude, if he did, if he pounced people, like he would get massively over because he'd look like he'd be murdering people. Watch it. I don't. I kind of don't want them to do any more with Darby Allen because I think that's played out. But imagine him like doing a pounce on Darby Allen. Or God, a, Alan, a fly out a, of the ring. A smaller dude, like Jungle um, Boy. Yeah, oh, God. he would fly out of the ring. 
Um, just for quick background, says that Monty Brown took several months off in 2007 for family issues. Uh, they announced September 2007 he was released from his contract and he retired. So, you know, good, you know, he started a range of athletic clothing and he's a personal trainer now. So, you know, good for him. He got to got to go on and and have his life but there's i am like on the indie scene there's a of guys i encountered there's there's this huge dichotomy between spear users there's on one hand uh, and you see him in impact now larry d uh, at the time i had a match with him was using the spear as a finish and we talked about this with alex angel in the episode we had him in and it was a he used he used a spear, and at the time, as you know, it was I don't I, I was just filling a spot for that company. Like I went to the show because I wasn't doing anything that night to see what was up, and they asked me to fill a spot to to job to Larry D. And I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. And he's like, all right, well, I finished with the spear, and in my head, I'm just bracing myself for it's like, all right, this is gonna suck. No, he did a he did a perfect spear. And if you look at Larry D, he looks like a guy who would do a great, you know, his spear would look really good. Um, and then was there the was an impact. What's that? He was, remember that Halloween angle angle. Um, he was no. the mystery shooter in impact. Was he? Remember okay. that's where they all dressed up. And I don't remember who it was that got shot. And Tommy Dreamer was like, no. <laughs> okay. Now he, now his gimmick is the best hand in the house. Which is it? That's an amusing uh, thing to use, but it's the best hand in the house because he uses the knockout punch. What are he they? Shoots he you teams off. with. He teams with Ace Romero in Impact. I don't remember what they call themselves. Are they Double XL or something? Yeah. Yeah, Probably. something like that. Maybe Triple XL. Yeah. But he shoots you off, and then whenever you come back, he does this big overhand shot that uh as a knockout punch which it looks really good and it fits for him and it's just got to be way the hell easier to to use um triple xl yeah yeah and uh you know good for him uh but then on the other hand in one of the other companies i worked with there was this dude who i swear he had to be like five seven at the tallest and he's a skinny little dude, and he used the spear as his finish. And it was like, he he wanted to do that on me at one point. I was like, dude, listen, I'm not I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm not doing that. You you if if you're gonna want to have a big spot or a big knockdown spot or, or or a false finish or something, you're gonna need to use something else because that ain't gonna do it. I am so much bigger than you that it it's it's not going to if we were playing football nobody nobody would expect you to be able to take me down with it. You, that's like a that's like a you're going to have to fail a couple times and throw powder in my eyes and then we can talk. I I don't want to say his name and bury the poor kid but he he did not have um he did not have the grasp he thought he did on the business, and why wouldn't he do something a little flyer? 
Uh, he was not a very flyy guy. Oh. Um, what about what, DDT? Like, I, that's believable, even if the guy's bigger. Yeah, it, there were... In, in that crop, there was a bad habit for a bunch of guys to use a DDT as a transition move. Um, and the, I was using that that leaping DDT, uh, that Im, Impaler DDT, as a finish at the time. And I don't care. I mean, I grab you, we go up, you come down, you land on your head. Sounds like a good finish to me. Um, I would. I so this is this is probably biased, but I feel like. I feel like when you get into smaller indies and especially like around Kentucky where you're probably dealing with maybe potentially some people from the hills coming down and training that if you're a smaller guy, you need to be more conscientious of your offense because you probably have a good chance of like one running into some giant fat fuck that your finish isn't going to look good on or some (laughs) giant farm hill boy that's like, six five and like 280 pounds of pure muscle that you're not going to look believable against if you unless you have like the proper finisher yeah that's i've always been a proponent i know this isn't the the right term for it but i call it a finisher of the foley standard a finish you can do to anybody that'll look good so you know paul white doing a choke slam of course that makes sense he can do that to anybody there was nobody that he couldn't do a choke slam to but on the other hand, and you know, Ric Flair doing a figure four, of course he can do that to anybody. Sure, not a problem. But you know, like if Edge tried to spear Paul White, there's no reason why you should believe that would work. Um, you know, the stunner was great for it. The the mandible claw was great for it. The uh, road kick from Sheamus was a really good one. It is. Mm-hmm. John Cena, by the the virtue of being a freak of nature, made the AA a good one. The Rock yeah. Bottom, the Stunner, those those were all good ones. All of all of Cesaro's um, big moves because he's proven he can do that. To he everyone. can do that to anybody. Yeah, you know. You know, if, I have to say, I never liked the Great Khali, but man, that dude, that dude was willing to do almost anything because he let he let cena put him through a table with an aa he would let he would let cesara like spin him for days mm-hmm. i think he even took the he even took the neutralizer didn't he i don't know if he did or not but he damn well had to because apparently his big chop he just like absolutely crushed your skull with it so if he was going to hit you with that, he damn well had to be willing to take whatever you were going to do to him. Well, Cesaro gets mad love from Mark Henry for being like freakishly strong. Yeah, he that's that is his rep. Like he actually is a freak of nature. Like he's he is just that strong. He's if you see him live, he is mm-hmm. ripped beyond. Like I'm, we're talking like his muscles have muscles. If you see him live. It just carries a different gravity whenever you see someone in person. Like, I saw Big Show at per in or Paul White in person at a house show, uh, mid late two thousands probably. I'm sitting halfway up in the arena, right? Like I'm not down at ringside. I'm sitting half, which was great. I was sitting halfway up, just above, like above where like the hard cam would be for TV. So it was great. I had a great view of everything. Here comes Paul White walking out. You look at him, and even from that far away, the size of that guy carries. 
Like, you look at him and you're just like, jeez, that's a big dude. I saw Goldberg jackhammer him on a on a WCW house show. I bet that was day. cool. Um, but that poor little dude, you know, if I was going to give him a finish, because the, the gimmick he seemed to kind of be trying to go with was the scrappy brawly type thing. And I was just looking at him and I was like, oh, God, what would I give you? And the, the, the thing that just kept seeming to come to mind for me is he would need to set up for it. But just just a good running high-speed bulldog, I think, would have been a good finish for him. You know, you, you get somebody, pepper him, pepper him, pepper him, you know, kick him in the gut or kick his leg out from under him, hit the ropes, come running, hit that bulldog. It's high speed. You do it real quick. There's lots of movement. I thought that would be a good, but, you know. He wasn't interested in in hearing it, so what are you going to do? I don't know. Um, smack him around a bit? I didn't need to smack him around. I um, The last match I had with him, I squashed the living hell out of him. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, I guess. What? Like why? Like even even like even if you guys worked him well, like even a pile driver spot would be more believable than a spear. Well, it's well. First of all, I wasn't letting him do it. I, I never let anybody do a pile driver spot. I just me. meant in gen in the general scheme sure. of the world. Uh, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Why not do like an MMA gimmick if you're that small? because uh, he did not have the background for it. But I mean, I mean, like that's believable. Like if he gets you, like if he gets your back, even if you're much bigger, like he could still theoretically, believably <laughs> choke you out. Yeah, it, a rear naked choke would work. But a lot of people on that roster had an idea that that submission finishes. They didn't want to do them. They didn't want to take them. Because people didn't want to tap. Yeah. You know, I don't. I've never understood that at that level. Like, why do you care? I, I don't know. It, it's there. There's some kind of weird sense he, of pride, I guess. Like, I know you did it, but it's like if you're making, if you're like, if I'm making, if I'm, if I'm doing a match and I'm just doing it because I'm weekend warrioring it, and yeah. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make. I swear to God, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> slash that guy's tires. Um. <laughs> If I was making if I was making like forty bucks for the night and I'm just weekend worrying it, why do I care about like protecting myself, especially when it's probably the same fans that are gonna see me every month? Like it's probably not on a DVD anywhere, and yeah. I could go to a different promotion where no one's heard of me and it doesn't matter. And there are far bigger talents than me that take submission finishes. Like I just don't get that bug up the butt about. Um, well. It was a pervasive attitude, and this poor guy was probably not in a place where he felt confident enough in going to another company to do something, because it's not like he was. God, I'm gonna. This is gonna be. I'm. I'm not gonna bury him anymore. He wasn't. Uh, I he just. He wasn't ambitious and or. T but see, I feel like. I feel like though that's kind of sad because. What if, what if, like, a change of scenery, if he had that confidence, could have, like, cultivated, like, he could have met someone there that would have, like, helped him along, and maybe he could have tapped into something? 
he also really wanted to be something other than what he was. He he wanted to be that brawly face type when he could have been, I think, a really good Ricky Morton. You know, he takes the heat, he gets the sympathy, he makes the tag to his his big buddy tag partner who comes in and, and just cleans house is in revenge for you beating up on his buddy like that. Like, but you know, you know he didn't want to do it or be like so, the, the Randy Mulkey. A, something, but he didn't want to do it. So that's always so bizarre to me, but whatever I do, you've always told me that I just have the wrong mentality that I'm too. Well, no, 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 no. There's a, okay. In wrestling, there's a certain amount of selfishness that goes into it for the, you know, I'm not, I, and the problem that I had was that I was probably too giving in that it's, it was, it, I didn't do the, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna put this over on me and make me look like crap. It was, I was like, you know, this will, you know, let's do stuff that both makes us look good. And there are people who want to take advantage of that. Um, so instead of having if if there were more if I was in an environment where more people did that, then things probably would have blown up, like gotten way bigger than they did. But I, it's just whenever you talk about the like the guys that are still working or moving on to bigger promotions or the guys you always said were giving and like did little things that always made their opponent look good. And you kind of wonder you kind of wonder if, if um maybe people would you know what i mean like people would notice that like when you talk about working with uh larry d or um what was his name ronnie something or other ronnie roberts who kind of you know worked some bigger promotions down the road he's got a regular talk series on ohio valley wrestling now oh cool interesting he is uh since he's the reverend ronnie roberts he now does the uh it's the good word interview segment oh, that's cool but like you would think that they would see like oh hey that guy is really easy to work with and he makes sure his opponents looks good and he's open-minded god ronnie roberts was like a dream to work with not only was it like i, I know i've said it before but you know we did this sequence i did a, a hip toss a scoop slam and a side russian leg sweep into a pin attempt and it, you know, I'm I'm doing it, but it's it's like I'm just waving my hands in the air. He was so light to do that stuff with, and he did. You know, we did this. I'm a good deal bigger than Ronnie Roberts, and we did this spot on the outside where he went to whip me to the the barricade, and I was like, okay, we're doing heat. He's gonna whip me to the barricade and get over, it. and he he starts doing. He's like, reverse me, reverse me. So I do. I reverse him and whip him into it, and the crowd's just flipping out. And I turn, and here comes his manager with the weapon in his hand. And his manager, instead of winding up and going after me, his manager, like, full bore backs, like, begs off. We had this great – it was like a dream working with him. It was it was seriously amazing. And I can't figure if it was – it's because he was so good that people were going to do stuff with him anyway or if he was so willing to make other people look good even when he was going over. I, I don't know. Like, but he was, God, if, it sounds if like the world got, was full of people like it. that, he does. Yeah. He's someone who absolutely gets it. So, um, do we want to, do we want to call this a, a show then guys? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I believe we can put a lid on this one. So everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We're glad you could be here with us. We'd love to hear from you. You think we were giving someone who got uh, got a release, not giving them enough credit or maybe giving them too much? Um, Want to weigh in on the Ivalice thing, on clean finishes, on spear, spear, spears? We would love to hear from you. Please hit us up on our social media. We do handle requests, um, provided we can find them and provided that, you know, there's a modicum of, of reasonable in it, right? Uh, but we would love to hear from you on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and on our YouTube. So this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.